Well, good morning, Good Shepherd. I am Talbot Davis. I'm the pastor here at Good Shepherd Church, and uh, a lot of you are connecting live this morning. That's tremendous, and others of you are live stream. That's also tremendous. However you're connecting, I'm just really glad to be able to connect back with you. And this is the second Sunday in this series called It's Just a Phase, a series all about relationships and household and family dynamics and, yeah, parenting. And it does build to this parenting seminar that's happening on Sunday afternoon and evening on October the 9th. And because uh, we just want to, we really want to be a resource for this entire community, starting with the church community. Today's message is called Right Sizing Church right-sizing church, and it's going to come from a, a, a little series that we're going to see in the book of Proverbs. So if you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to locate the, the Old Testament book of Proverbs and just find chapter 2 and verse 1 and be ready to flip pages because it's not going to be not a, not a tremendous number of verses, but you're going to see a very obvious pattern. And maybe your Bible's on your phone, and that's, that's okay as well. You'll want to scroll to Proverbs on your phone. And maybe you don't have a Bible that looks like this, and it's not on your phone, or you forgot how to find that app. It's okay as well. The words are going to be up on the screen like they always are at just the right time. That's how we like to do it when we get together at Good Shepherd. And the reason we like to do it is because we believe, we know a couple things about the Bible. One, one of those things that we know about the Bible is that it, it looks like a book, and people have called it the good book for centuries. They've just always called it wrong. It's not the good book, it's the great library. A lot of writers, a lot of different writing styles over a long span of time. And when we're in the book of Proverbs, we're actually in, in sort of the the wisdom, the, the life helps section. It's a timeless collection of timely wisdom from about 3,000 years ago. That's where we are in the book of Proverbs. And, and, and so that's just something that a lot of people maybe didn't really remember or ever learn. Not book, is library. And then there's this deeply held conviction that we have here about this, the biblical library. And, and, it, and you may not agree with what I'm getting ready to say, and that's okay. We're, we're glad you're here checking things out. But we in leadership believe that there's no other library like this one. We believe God breathed his life into its words and he put his truth onto its pages. And the Bible is inspired and eternal and true. And out of that conviction, when we talk about the Bible at this church, we do something unusual together. We lift it up. And if, and if you're new at this place and haven't seen this in action before, it strikes you as a little bit strange. And, and I, years ago, I used to try and say, no, it's not strange, it's normal. And now I just realize, yeah, it is kind of strange. But this is a moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community, that we're a collection of people who do not have life figured out, but we know who does. And we're glad to be surrendered to the authority of his word. Amen. Before I say anything else, let's pray. So, Father, I ask that you would just give me a, a measure today, an overflowing measure of the goodness of your Holy Spirit so that, that what I say is such a reflection of who you are. I really am powerless without you, Lord, but because of you, I'm never helpless in the strong. In the saving name of Jesus, who lived and died and rose and reigns and will return. Because all that is true about Jesus, we pray. Amen. 
Well, the message is called Right Sizing Church, and I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning uh, about making church less important in your lives. You're like, huh? Wait, a preacher standing up there and talking to us about making church less important in your life? That's like Chick-fil-A saying eat more beef. That's like Apple saying always use Microsoft. That's like Beyonce saying go buy the new Taylor Swift album. It just don't make no sense as they used to tell me in Monroe, North Carolina. It, it, it's the classic cutting off your nose to spite your face. And so in, in light of the fact that this is counterintuitive and counterproductive to, to everything we would seem to be about, you, you, you would be fair to ask me, well, Talbot, do you want to reconsider how you began this here message? Do you want to start off on a, on, a, on a different step? And I'm like, nope. I want to talk to you for a few moments today about making church less important in your lives. Because here's what we do. Here's what churches do. Here's what we do. We go all, at, for, for, for kids and for students in particular, we go all out. Lights and camera and action because we're inviting all people into a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And that means the little people. And, and, and we put all kinds of bells and all kinds of resources and all kinds of whistles in, into how we want to teach kids and students about Jesus. And I mean, churches do this all over. We do this. My goodness, when our, when our K-Zone, which is a building kind of behind us, the original building of this whole church campus, when, when its trusses folded up a couple of years ago, like things weren't crazy enough, we had a pandemic. Oh, your, your trusses are folding up as well. We did not say, well, that's it. We're, we're done with that building. Let's tear the rest of it down and no more space for children's ministry. No, we didn't do that. Instead, we said, we're going to rebuild. And while we're rebuilding, we're going to upgrade. And that's exactly what we've done. And in fact, today's the grand opening for that their K-Zone for children's. Yeah, it's good news. You all, you all have made this possible. And so, but that's what, what churches do. They, they go all out. And so what parents do and grandparents do and aunts and uncles do and guardians do and foster parents do is they see churches going all out and they begin to outsource to the church that whole notion of their children's spiritual growth and spiritual development. Because churches have gotten so good, or maybe even just so average, at talking to kids and talking to students of, about Jesus, that moms and dads and grandmoms and granddads and aunts and uncles and, and step-parents and foster parents, they drop off their kids at that children's ministry trusting trusting that the church is going to do a really good job of teaching those children and teaching those grandchildren all about Jesus. And so this drop-off sort of religion is something that we in the American church have really perfected. And, 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 and so what happened now, on one level, this makes sense. 
Because on, on one level, there's so many areas in life where we don't really think that we're subject matter experts. And when we're not subject matter experts, we turn that subject matter over to the people that are. I mean, there's so many ways that, that we do this. Like for, for brain surgery, we turn it over to a subject matter. Can we just acknowledge when it comes, if you need brain surgery, always, always turn it over to a subject matter expert in that. We, 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 we do that when we need legal advice. We do that when we need to post bond. We, we do that with, with nuclear science. We do it with all kinds of issues. We figure we don't know as well as the subject matter ex- expert, and so we turn it over to them. Well, we apply that same law. We figure that teaching the next generation about Jesus is at least as complicated as brain surgery. And so we drop our kids off. We turn, we're, we're feeling good that at least we're dropping them off in a, in a, in a godly place. Like it's, it's better than dropping your 10-year-old off for a day at the mall. Just go, go, spend the whole day at the, no. We, we figure we're doing better than that. We, we figure that people at the church know a little bit more about teaching the next generation about Jesus. And so we have turned it over to the subject matter experts. We, we, have, be, we have become experts at drop-off religion. And, and here, here's the deal. Here's what happens. Churches, like I mentioned, they go all out with all the bells and, 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 and the whistles and the lights and the camera and the action. And here's a little secret. Some of you, moms and dads and grandmoms and granddads, you're, you're on this relentless quest for the perfect children's ministry or the perfect student ministry, the one with the most bells or with the most whistles. And for some of you, a lot of you, that's why you're here. For a handful, that's why they're not. Because we're on this relentless quest for the best subject matter experts who are going to be the best ones to teach our children about Jesus. And all that, all that is why I want to talk to you for a few minutes today about making, hello, church less important in your life. Because not only are the consequences of drop-off religion less than positive. The, the bigger issue, my bigger dilemma with it is that it is not God's design that, that for moms and dads and grandmoms and granddads to outsource something God has already resourced them to do is not God's design. In the book of Proverbs, this ancient collection, this timeless collection of timely wisdom kind of built on the idea that the entire book is a father talking to his son's father is Solomon, King Solomon talking to his son and maybe to more than one son. There's this, there's this remarkable pattern that emerges. Take a look at how it starts in chapter two and verse one of the book of Proverbs. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you. Chapter three, verse one where he says this, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. Chapter four, verse one, flip over chapter four, verse, listen, my sons, now he goes plural. I don't know if he had a son between chapter three and chapter four, I don't know. 
Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. And then chapter 5, one more flip. Chapter 5, verse 1. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight. Oh, my goodness. The pattern absolutely leaps off the page. It's virtually impossible to miss it. And yet, even before we we dig a little bit more deeply into this pattern, as with so many areas of the Bible, it's helpful to realize what the Bible is saying by thinking about what it is not saying. And what what does Solomon not say in these instructions, this recurring pattern to, to, to his son? What doesn't come out of his mouth? Hey, son, come get in the car. I'm going to take you to church, and they're going to teach you all about the faith. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, son, son, I'm going to drop you off at Sunday school, and then I'm going to hit a quick nine holes, and then I'll pick you up, and we can talk about it afterwards. He doesn't say that. He doesn't even say, son, we're, we're going to come, come get in the car. We're going to go to the synagogue, and that rabbi is going to set you straight. doesn't say that. And he doesn't even say, son, I'm going to take you to the church so that you can get a living relationship with Jesus Christ because I don't have one myself. None of that gets said. None of that gets taught. None of it comes out of Solomon's mouth. Instead, it is so clear what is at the heart of passing faith on to the next generation. And it has everything to do with the home. It has everything to do with the dad has everything to do with parents. It has little to do with the institution and everything to do with the organism that is the home. And in fact, it lets us know that in some ways, when you decenter the church, you can recenter the gospel. And it's kind of the book of Proverbs way of reminding us that you don't, doesn't matter if we have the best youth ministry in town in our living room, we want you to have the best youth ministry in town in yours. And so here's, here's where it leads us today in, in, in this week two of, of It's Just a Phase, a series all about parenting and dynamics and family relationships. Here's what I want you to know. When it comes to kids, Church is never a replacement for you, but always a supplement to you. Church is never a replacement for you. All it does is it is a supplement to you for moms and for dads and grandmoms and granddads and aunts and uncles and those of you who are fostering these days. We want a right-sized church by decentering it from your lives so the gospel can be recentered in your home. See, this, this is really, I, I think, how I, how I want it to work, how, how I dream of it working. I've, I've, I, we have a, a, a picture from my kitchen counter of some of the supplements that, that I take every day. I mean, there, there's zinc up there that's so I don't get COVID, supposedly, and there's A and B and C and D. D and all these vitamins, and I take them every day. And there's even Saul Palmetto, so that it'll help with my tendonitis. And it told me it would grow some hair. And so, yeah, I'm give, give, me, give me that Saul Palmetto. And, and I, I take some version of these supplements every single day. 
But you know what? You all, if I were to say one, one day, but they supplement my dinner. And if I was ever to come to church one Sunday or come home one day and, and, I, was, and I was sort of to get the order reversed and I was to say, man, I can't wait for my delicious dinner of a vitamin T, D tablet. I just can't wait. And if it, that, that, that first tablet is really good, give me two, give me seconds, give me one more vitamin D tablet. And then as a supplement to my dinner of a vitamin D tablet, I'm gonna get a ribeye. If I was to say that, you'd, you'd think I'd lost it. And you'd be right. And yet in church land, in Christian world, that is precisely what we do. We get the supplements and we get the replacements all backwards. And this series and this message is, uh, is entirely focused on right-sizing church and getting supplements and replacements corrected so that you know moms and dads and grandmoms and granddads and fostering and all of you so that you know that Every season of life, every phase of life without exception is an opportunity for you to get, give the next generation an opportunity to say yes to Jesus in their own lives. And you don't have to outsource it. Woo! I'm going to outsource it to the church. No, God has resourced you to do it yourself. See, the, I love how this worked out with in our house. Our daughter, who's now... 33, yes, you can be amazed that I have a 33-year-old. Our daughter, who's now 33, uh, do you know when she first said yes to Jesus in her life? She was five, and it was on a playground. It was after school one day, and she was asking the questions, and all I had to do was provide the answers, and it started right there. And with our son, who's now 30, it was different. He kept saying yes to Jesus, and, 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 and it's kind of repeated saying yeses to Jesus was usually accompanied by some tears and often by some uncertainty, but he kept saying yes, or did it take this time? Is this time? Does it work now? And he, he kept doing it. But then gradually through the years, when, when he got to college, the conversations that we started having with him changed. And they moved from, have you said yes to Jesus to here are the gifts that we see that are in you. Here's, here's what it's like to go to seminary. Here's what ministry might look like in your life. And it all culminated when he was about 20 or so with this yes to ministry. But, but what I w want you to see is that because we were having a conversation all along, we never really had to have this fear-inducing, knee-knocking talk because we were always in the conversation. And because every topic and every subject is, in fact, an opportunity for you to filter that topic and filter that subject through the lens of Jesus, through the grid of the gospel. I also remember a time, I, our daughter's probably 13 or 14, and she was reading a, a, like either a teen Vogue or a teen glamour. And, and so, yeah, your, your excuse for thinking, well, you weren't that good as parents, Hal, but you let her read that trash. And so she was reading the article and the article was all about, I, I, I kid you not, all about the joys of teenage promiscuity. And when she got to the end of the article, she threw the magazine aside and she said with this defiant, that is so against everything I've ever been taught or believed. Well, what, 
what dad of a teenage daughter wouldn't want to hear that? But it's all because all those topics, all those subjects have been filtered through the gospel. The every phase, every season of life is a chance for you moms and dads and grandmoms and granddads to give those children under your care an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And, and so it becomes this truth that instead of having the church be a replacement for you, all it does is become a supplement to you. And it's not only how God has revealed himself to us in, in his word, it's how he's designed the whole thing to work. Did you, did you notice one other thing about the pattern in, in the book of Proverbs? comes from my son, my son, listen, my son, to a father's instruction. Yeah, yeah. It, it also leaps off the page. Fathers. See, fathers and grandfathers in particular, I think, are tempted to outsource faith to the church or to their significant others who's female, thinking that somehow faith is feminine. Listen, dads and granddads within the sound of my voice, the greatest gift that you can give to your children is to let them see that you can be both masculine and spiritual. And that, in fact, in, in your body, in your very masculinity, God gives the gift of spirituality. Any sense that faith or church or religion is somehow more feminine than it is masculine is a lie from the pits of hell. Our God has created both genders and he's pronounced them both not just good, but very good. And in the way God has designed us, when, when fathers abandon their role to be spiritual temperature setters in the home, man, that just gives the, the uh, people who are wives, women, girlfriends, it gives them already double the activities that they already had. So dads, would you lean into the fact that you, God's calling in you is to be masculine and spiritual, and it is good. And if you've realized today... Ooh. I've been outsourcing my children's spiritual growth to my wife, to my ex, to my girlfriend, to, to whomever. What a marvelous opportunity for you to embrace it as, as your gift to give to those children. And some of you, within the sound of my voice, you, you've already had guys in your lives who've punted on this, who've abandoned on this, and God bless you for your resilience, and for your strength. Because God, God, God works. Sometimes God works inside of us, and sometimes God works in, in, inside of people, and sometimes God works in spite of people. But God works, and for every female in the house who's had to pick that ball up and run with it because the guy in your house didn't, God bless you. God, God's gonna reward you. When it comes to your kids, when it comes to your kids, church is never a replacement for you. It's always a supplement to you. And, and, and you might be thinking right now, well, well, gosh, if, if you're right-sizing church, if you started out this talk today, Talbot, by telling us you want church to be less important in our lives, then, then maybe, maybe what you're saying is church doesn't matter at all. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Just because it's 
not a replacement for you, but, do, but only a supplement to you, doesn't make it more important. It just makes it differently important. It makes it strategically important. And how does it make church strategically important in this whole matter, passing the faith on to the next generation? Well, on the one hand, by doing what we're doing right now, letting you know what God's design is for how faith will get transmitted to the next generation. But you know how else? To be one more voice. That's what church does. That's how church supplements what moms and dads do in the, in the home, by being that one more voice in the life of your child, in the life of your student. Again, I know that in, that in our case, I, I don't think our son Riley would have said yes to a living relationship with Jesus without the one more voice of Rick Powell, a guy in this church who is just faithful to volunteer in student ministry every Sunday night. One more voice that our son needed. And, and I don't even think he could have said yes to ministry without that one more voice of his, of his campus minister when he got to college. Hey, Riley, this is what's going on in you. This is what I see in you. One more voice. That's, that's what we want to provide. That is why we decided to rebuild the K-Zone. We, we didn't let it just collapse. Because we wanted this priceless, immeasurable opportunity to be that one more voice in, in the lives and in the ears and in the hearts of your children and your grandchildren. And some of you today, who either you're single and you don't have kids, or you're a little bit older and your kids have gone, they moved out, and you're like, well, how does this, how does this whole talk relate to me? You know how this whole talk relates to you? And you just now realize it? The calling on your life is to be that one more voice. That that opportunity to be involved in what Good Shepherd does for children and for students. And you can respond and you can be that additional voice pouring out what it means to have a living relationship with Jesus Christ to the next generation. I told you, doesn't make it unimportant. It just makes it strategically important. When it comes to kids, church is never a replacement for you. It's always a supplement to you. And, and you know what else? You know what else this church can provide on, on, on the way to passing the faith on, and it's just a faith phase. This, this thing that we have that we, we try to talk about every so often in seven-year project, it's called the Beautiful Marriage Movement. Because we, we got a lot of pretty weddings out there, and pretty weddings are awesome, and we've decided that we want to help people have beautiful marriages. And and you're like, wait, Talbot, Talbot, you're talking about kids and faith and parenting, and now you're throwing marriage into it? You know what? If, if you're married, if you're married today, do you want to know that staying that way is perhaps the best indicator that your child growing up in that marriage will grow up to say yes to Jesus in a resilient and enduring way? And so I just want you to to persevere and, and, and provided, you know, we, we don't want you to persevere through abuse and we don't want you to persevere through chronic adultery, but we want you to persevere to make that marriage beautiful, knowing that that environment, when you have a beautiful marriage, there's no safer, there's no more holy environment for a child to say yes to Jesus than that one. 
And if that's already hadn't happened in your life, you've already experienced the brokenness of, of divorce, again, God bless you for your resilience and, and, and your strength. And God's doing something mighty in your life as well. Because I love to see all this breakthrough. I, I love it when, when people and even a, a church gets what it means that, hey, when it comes to kids, we're not your replacement, we're only your supplement. Because this past summer, like we do every summer, we had vacation Bible experience. A lot of places call it vacation Bible school. And I don't know if you know this or not, but vacation Bible school is the ultimate in drop-off religion in American Christianity. Can I hear an amen for that? We'll show those photos in just a moment. We'll put that up in just a moment. But in American Christianity, Vacation Bible School has been this ultimate drop-off experience because what happens? People, it's three hours of free childcare. You've used Vacation Bible School like that in the past. We've offered it like that in the past. Just drop them off and we'll take them for three hours and you go have fun. Well, no more. This past summer, our Vacation Bible, you couldn't drop your kids off. If you did, we wouldn't let you pick them up. No, but entire families went through the vacation Bible experience together this summer. Whatever the family configuration was, but the kids were able to see dad lead the family in prayer. They were able to see mom lead the family in devotion. They were able to see moms and dads working together on the crafts. And families sat together and collectively they said yes to Jesus together. And I saw the gospel break through because who knows? Who knows? When you make church a little bit less important in your lives, you make Jesus more important in your homes. Amen. So Father, thank you that you have given us this unmistakable pattern from Proverbs. Thank you for right-sizing church. And Lord, thank you for resourcing moms and dads and grandmoms and granddads in this place, for resourcing them to do that thing they'd been tempted to outsource, sharing what Jesus means with the next generation. Do this. Do it name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, a message like this calls for a moment of repentance, for a moment of confession and, and turning. And so I'm going to lead you in a kind of a spoken prayer, a responsive prayer. And the words are going to, going to be up on the screen. And, and, and it begins with us reading together from the book of Ephesians. So let's throw that up on the screen if, if we would. We're, we're going to read out loud and together Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 1 through 4. Let's read that together. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, 
bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. So, hey, it says leader. Hey, don't. I'm going to read where it says leader, and you all read where it says all. Church, we have fallen short serving the next generation. We all need God's forgiveness. God desires that all of us earnestly repent of our sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors and our families as you have commanded. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ, our Lord.